Welcome to Orioles on the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And on tonight's show, I want to get into a lot of news as the Orioles open their new academy in the Dominican Republic. This comes also as the January 15th signing period rolls around, and the Orioles pick up several new prospects that we're going to highlight tonight. And that's all coming up here. But first, as we like to do at the top of our episodes, we want to welcome a new member of our Patreon community. And with that, I will turn it over to Bob. Yeah, absolutely. We got another patron sign up here in the off season. It's Tim Anderson. We know he's a free agent. He's looking for work. Well, he found some. He's paying us <laughs> to uh, watch our content. No, I really appreciate it, Tim. Uh, thanks for signing up. And Tim will now get access to all the patron channels on the Discord. But even if you're not a patron, sign up for the Discord. It's a lot of fun in there. It's really popping off lately. I feel like it's uh, almost so much talking, smart conversations that I can't even keep up with during the day when I'm working. So if you want to get in on that, and if you haven't already, we do have a YouTube channel. If you want to see the video, the live streams, uh, hit like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're uh, getting close to 500 subscriptions. We'd love to cross that barrier before maybe opening day. Who knows? But uh, yeah, become a patron, support us in any way. We really appreciate it. We always appreciate the support of our patrons. And with that, we'll dive into tonight's episode. And we'll start off with one of the bigger um, wins for this organization as far as player development goes in some time. And they've had a lot of wins lately, but this is a big one as they open their new academy in the Dominican Republic. This has been in development for a few years. The -the state-of-the-art facility is going to offer training space that should not only make it easier for the Orioles to sign players out of the Dominican Republic, but also help the players who are already part of the organization by giving them a place to work out in the offseason. Now, these academies are fairly prevalent around the major leagues. And the fact that we're now sitting here in 2024 talking about this is a byproduct of the fact that the Orioles were largely absent from the Dominican Republic and that part of the world for a long time. However, they have made significant strides in the last few years, which we're going to talk about a little bit in a few minutes. And this academy is evidence of that. So, Nick, I'll start with you here. We've been waiting for this for a few years. I think it was maybe two years ago that they first announced the plans for this academy. Um, What is your reaction to it, and what do you think it means for the organization? I think it's huge. It's Like you said, it is a massive W for this organization. I I think back to Eric Long and Hagen and Kylie McDaniel's book, a future value book you know it's still some things are getting you know dated in the book baseball is evolving but a lot of that book is still like fundamentally sound and, and good foundational knowledge including probably my favorite section of that book was the international uh, scouting and signing process chapters they had in there because like i don't know about you guys but when it came to this part of baseball like for years i'd maybe read the mlb pipeline article like these are the top 10 signings this year like Oh, this is the top guy. These are the top two guys. All right, I'll file those names away, but like I'm not paying attention to this side of the game. So like I came into this whole thing five years ago, almost four years ago when we started the show. Honestly, really ignorant to, to this side of baseball. And like, but in that book, they talk about how like you go to these major showcases, these major tournaments, and they're like, the joke was, all right, we got 29 scouts here. It looks like everybody's here. Like, we can get started because the joke was the Orioles weren't going to be there. And everybody knew that because the Orioles didn't care. I think, it, like, they even had to get approval. Like, ownership, Orioles ownership had to sign off just to sign a kid for $10,000. Like, that's absurd. Like, 
Oh. Keep it clean. Go fall in the ditch. Like you're not going to compete in the major league level if you ignore this part of the game. And now here we are, this facility. And yeah, what the Orioles are doing, it's nothing new, like you said. But again, it's it's brand new facility, state of the art, and it finally puts us on a more even level playing field. Like, and I kind of went through and looked back. I know we're going to dive into the specific class later, but you look back at Kobe Perez and Michael Elias's first that 2019 class. And yeah, like you need three, four years ahead of time. There's handshake agreements with these kids, right? So you need to build those relationships uh, beforehand. So we didn't expect too much of that 2019 class. Most of those players they signed, like 27 players they signed, have since been released, including Luis Gonzalez, I think was the top name in that class. He just got cut. Unfortunately, Luis Ortiz passed away due to cancer earlier last year. But you still got a couple of guys kicking around there. It's like Delmarva depth. like And some, I'd say two, like Moises Chasse and Steven Acevedo are still like intriguing guys from that draft class. But you fast forward now to January 2024. They've got this beautiful state-of-the-art facility to attract talent it's going to house these kids safely, let them train in a modern complex, prepare these guys for baseball in the States. Like they're handing out multiple signing bonuses that rank among the top 30 or 40 in the class. And we're starting to see the first signs of life here with guys. They've already signed like Basayo and Luis De Leon kind of trickle up and show real promise. I just think that we've come a long way in a very short amount of time in an aspect of baseball that can take a while to establish yourselves in. I think Kobe Perez is pretty well established here. And now with this facility, you've got a four or five year period complete now that you've established your foothold there. I would honestly not be surprised in the next year or two, we see the Orioles land a top 10, even top five player uh, in the international signing period. Considering there's still a signing period, we haven't moved to a draft process yet. But I think this complex is a major step forward in making that happen in the very near future. Yeah, you saw all the press there, the videos, the the pictures. It looks incredibly nice. Obviously, I think if there's a silver lining to the Orioles getting off to such a slow start, and you talk about Orioles fans you're ignorant to the international game, well, yeah, we had no reason to learn about the process and all that with the Buscones and, and all that shady stuff. Hopefully, we do get a draft eventually. But if there's a silver lining to being so late, it's that, we probably have one of, if not the best facility now, just because we're the last ones to build one. So they were able to just really, you know, make it great. I think they've been talking about it for three years now or so that it was coming, that it was being built. And now it's finally here. And I think it kind of signifies, obviously it's a slow build up, Like you talked about 2019, that was just like, get your foot in the door see what you can grab off the scrap heap towards the end of the thing. But, you know, we, we just did more and more last year. We got Luis Almeida, the highest ever. Now this year we have two guys right around a million, um, one a little bit over one, a little bit under. And like you said, yeah, I think we're here now. Like we're established in the international market. Kobe Perez is a known quantity. Samuel Basayo is a superstar in the making. And, way faster than people expected, even uh, Kyle Glazer. As some people went back and listened to that interview on our, on our show a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, uh, it's also like, it's interesting is the Orioles not having like one of the top five, 10 guys. 
because when they rank these guys, it's basically just by signing bonus and not like scouting report and and potential and all that stuff. Obviously, the more you make, obviously that means you're probably a better player. But is it a strategy that they got two guys around a million as opposed to one guy for three million? I don't know. I'd love to to talk to somebody to figure that out. But yeah, it's just exciting that we're like officially here. The moment that we've been waiting for for this this facility, the academy to be opened up, it's here, and we'll see if that makes it even more uh, welcoming to players wanting to sign up for the Orioles. Looking more broadly at the Orioles international signing efforts since Kobe Perez and Mike Elias came in, I think the work that Kobe Perez has done has been remarkable when you consider that he basically had to start from the ground up. It's not like he came in and inherited a situation where the Orioles maybe had been, you know, at least halfway active. They weren't active at all. And I think that what he's done in the span of about five years now to build this up from the Orioles basically being irrelevant in Latin America to now going out and regularly signing players for nine figure bonus or excuse me, seven figure bonuses, a million dollar bonus plus and guys who t- consistently rank in the top 30, top 40 of international prospect rankings says a lot because you can't get from point A to point B overnight in that part of baseball. It takes years to build the relationships with these players to sign them. And that's a theme you see throughout the league. So the fact that Kobe Perez has been able to build this up in such a short amount of time is a testament to the work that he and his team have done. Yeah. And even Basayo breaking out the way he has, look, we're seeing him. We'll talk about top 100 lists sometime next week, but he's popping up high on lists and it just goes to show how tough this is. The only reason the Orioles signed Samuel Basayo because he had an agreement with the Yankees. I'm assuming, I don't know why the Orioles trumped the Yankees and were able to get him. I'm assuming the Yankees had to up an offer to another player to keep him in, in that class. And then allowed the Orioles to swoop in whatever the case we'll happily take it but it's just funny that the one guy that has broken out very easily could have been a Yankees superstar prospect right now yeah it's and looking at this class as a whole too I I didn't go back and like do the math and break down like the percentages or anything but I feel like a lot of the earlier classes kind of skewed fairly heavily like Venezuelan classes and I, I remember when we had Kobe Perez on and we talked about that I, I feel like he kind of brought that stronghold with him from or he come from Cleveland before he was with Baltimore I think so I, I think he kind of brought that stronghold over and was able to to grab some guys early on and he talked I think he had said when he came on our show that time that I think he said he had just gotten back from Venezuela or he was like I'm going out to Venezuela in like two days or something because uh, that's where he spends a lot of time throughout the year and this year, though, I feel like it was it's a smaller class, but it was predominantly Dominican players. And I wonder if that's a, hey, we're going to bring in the local kids uh, in this nice, fancy new academy and use this. as It's, it's like it's a recruiting tool now um, for Elias and Perez and the scouting team that's down there uh, in Latin America. It's it, I think we're going to see, like I said, I think we see one of the top guys come in, in the near future which would be nice. But again, at the end of the day, we can talk about specific players and dollar amounts. And yeah, it's, it's really cool to see these guys get millions of dollars, $1 million or $2 million, or when are we going to land the five, six, $7 million big, big guy out there on the market? 
at the same time, like this organization is proven on the international side of things. Look at some of who are the top international prospects in the system are right now, other than Basayo, right? They're guys like Luis De Leon and some other guys who signed for like pennies compared to what Basayo got. And, and so I, I, it's, it's going to be another avenue for where even if they don't land the big fish, they're going to be able to get down and find higher quality talent. And when you bring them into this player development system, it's keep replenishing in that pool, keep replenishing that, that elite talent pipeline. That's just, I don't see drying up in any time in the near future. And before we talk about replenishing your brain, I want to address Vivek's comment here that that he notes that the Orioles kept around 2 million, a little more than $2 million left in this pool. And I think they've shown actually very recently why that could be smart because they just picked up a Cuban outfielder for like 450,000 towards the end of the year which was like a late, you know, not expecting it signing. And it seems like he has a lot of upside and we've seen them, especially with pitchers and arms. I feel like they'll kind of let these guys trickle in as the year goes on as these, cause pitchers tend to pop up more than the positional prospects do. So, and, and who knows if Roki Sasaki uh, gets posted, I know he's young enough. He has to go through this international signing process. I don't know exactly when he would pop up but if you're the team with the most money to be able to negotiate with him and do that then that's not a bad thing either we don't know for sure exactly why there's two billion or so dollars left over i imagine though a a lot of that could be due to like you said it's the last two years this organization has been able to very very late in the game grab a a cuban player like cesar preto was like 600k 650k and like we said at the time of the signing, I saw a rumor. Uh, James Fox, I forget. He's White Sox prospect guy. If you're listening to this show, you probably know who James Fox is on, on Twitter. I think he had a rumor that apparently the White Sox were kind of interested in Prieto, but he was guessing that Prieto was going to go for like 1.2, 1.3, or even more million dollars if he was in the regular signing bonus uh, or signing period. But he was so late in the game, no one had the money. Orioles got him for 600K. They signed the Sanchez kid this year back in December for a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? Like, so maybe it is smart. And like you said, you know, I hate to go back to the Houston model or whatever, but like in that, didn't that wasn't that successful Avenue that the Astros took grabbing those older pitchers for lower dollar amounts later in the game, you build them up every penny you need. You got a whole year. Like the signing period isn't, wasn't just Monday and it's done. It runs through the rest of the year. So plenty of talent can pop up at any point. Yeah, Kobe Perez actually addressed that when he met with the media earlier this week, and I'm quoting from Danielle Allentuck over at the Baltimore Banner. Uh, He acknowledged that the Orioles have their eyes on some players and said, quote, we're happy that we have some resources that we feel we'll do well with. So the Orioles, you know, without getting the specifics of who they're looking at, clearly have some players that they're targeting. I don't think it means they're going to sign a player for $2 million or even a million, but I suspect that most of that bonus pool money is going to be spread out here over the coming months. And just what would the thought process be when you have to figure out how you're going to hand out $2 million? It's a good point. But we know they're going to spend it because why wouldn't you, right? That's You know this front office is going to leverage every opportunity they have. But, yeah, that's that's a tough call how you're going to manage that for sure. If you're going to hand out $2 million – to somebody this late in the game, uh, you've got to have a magic mind. And uh, 
I don't know about you guys, but baseball season is is right around the corner, and I've been worried about not having enough energy to stay on top of work, family responsibilities, keeping up with two toddlers running around the house, and then dedicating enough time to producing the amount of content that we do, which always seems to be growing. We are a glutton for punishment and just producing more and more content, but we love it. But I've stayed on my Magic Mind routine these small, all-natural energy shots are super easy to use. They taste great. They've helped me cut out the afternoon coffee. And now that our content schedule is ramped back up again, I honestly haven't been worried about finding enough energy for the late-night recordings and writings. Subscribe to our Substack. Uh, Magic Mind makes me more productive. It makes me feel more focused. I get more done in less time thanks to the neurotropics inside that improve attention, con- concentration, and cognition. With all natural ingredients like matcha, lion's mane, mushrooms, I would really encourage everyone listening to try it out as well if you're having trouble being at 100% some days. Honestly, it's a total game changer. And for everyone listening right now, we have a special promo code for you all to use. You can try this for yourself. Only during the month of January, Magic Mind is helping you crush your 2024 New Year's resolutions fully focused. Everyone listening can get one month totally free when you subscribe for three months at magicmind.com slash J-A-N-O-T-V and use our exclusive code OTV20, it's OTV20. That's an extra 20% off, which gets you up to 75% off the final price for a three-month subscription. This only lasts until the end of January, so hurry up before it goes away. And with that, now we'll get into the recent January 15th signing period and as they have in the last few Januaries now, the Orioles make some waves. The big uh, signings from this signing period are shortstop Emilio Sanchez and outfielder Steven Martinez. Sanchez received $1.3 million from the Orioles. That was his reported bonus, while Martinez reportedly grabbed 950000 The players ranked fairly high on international prospects lists, including MLB Pipeline, who had Sanchez 30th and Martinez 28th on their top 50 prospect list. Uh, Sanchez, a 16-year-old shortstop, while Martinez, an outfielder, described as having very good raw power to go along with athleticism, a strong arm in the outfield. Anytime you're talking about someone joining, getting into professional baseball at 16 years old, you have to look at all the caveats that they're years away from contributing at the major league level if they get there. And in fact, it will probably be at least another year or two before we see them play stateside. But the Orioles really adding to the floor and the ceiling of their already deep farm system with these two signings. So, Bob, I'll start with you. We'll start really with these two players. What are your thoughts on them as the headliners of this class? Yeah, the more I read about them, obviously didn't know much about them other than, you know, rumored names that they're linked to the Orioles. And Martinez especially, I think, came on the radar like I can't remember exactly when it was a couple months ago when it seemed like reports were that he's another guy the Orioles are stealing from the Yankees, essentially. Um, not sure if that's been confirmed or not, but you know, he's like a big power hitting right-handed outfielder. I love that. You you steal a power hitter, a guy with a massive raw power, and all you have to do is improve the plate discipline and hit tool, and you steal him from the Yankees. It sounds like a Samuel Basayo 2.0 in the outfield corner outfield, but we'll see if that happens And Emilio Sanchez. He seems like another one of these Leandro Arias types that the Orioles and honestly, I'm sure it's most teams love, but smooth hitting, smooth fielding shortstop now could 
eventually move to third or second base as he grows, but just seems like he's really solid across the board. And I think MLB Pipeline had him at 50 grade tools everywhere, but then a 55 hit tool. So yeah, just get these guys in as young as possible into this player development system that has continued to develop and churn out impressive prospects. And, you know, I think these guys seem like they could fit the mold and, and be guys that end up on our top 50 countdown in a couple of years, actually, or this year, yeah. to be honest. So I want to talk about Sanchez first. And we got to first talk about the video clip that Orioles player development Twitter account. It's always my favorite thread of the year uh, because once the signings are announced, they always kind of do their scouting reports. They get their videos, uh, nice, clean, amazing videos, uh, and then kind of like three-liner scouting reports on these guys, just a little baseline information. But Emilio Sanchez, in his clip, they're all kind of the same, follow the same script. It was like, what do you like to do in your free time? What's your goal this year? And then just whatever. Um, My guy Sanchez said, in my free time, I like to do push-ups and sleep. Um, so I don't know why, but I thought that was just hilarious. Um, but like, we're talking about 16, 17 year old kid here, like an insane amount of physical development that's going to take place. Some of that development is with guys is, is going to fall short because it's impossible to accurately predict what anyone's body is going to do, uh, at this stage of life. And like Zach said, we won't get eyes on them personally for like at least two years, but still fun to follow and see who kind of makes the big adjustments with Sanchez, like. I like the swing from the left side. When I read Baseball America and Fangrass reports on him, they talked about you know, the power he already has with potential for more. The standout ath- athleticism like Luis Almeida had last year may not be there, but he's a smaller, compact player with like real power potential who maybe has to move off shortstop as he moves up the ladder. And I think Fangrass even described him as that high floor potential utility option type player. And you guys know I hate comps uh, with a passion, mostly because uh, I can't do it. But as I'm reading these reports, I'm trying to think about like, all right, so who could this guy be like peak Emilio Sanchez with the very little information I know about him? And I, I don't know if this works or not, but I'm envisioning like a Brandon Lau type player here, like average to slightly above, above average across the board player. He's not going to wow you, but... He's just a good, solid overall player who, when he's healthy, is going to give you 20 to 30 home runs a year. And I feel like, I don't know, for whatever reason, those little blurbs and briefs we got on him, that's the kind of player that I'm kind of vibing here with uh, Emilio Sanchez. Martinez, though, complete opposite of that. I think he's one of the more, one of the guys I'm more excited to follow. one of the youngest players in this year's draft class as well, like a young 16, but he's already listed at 6'3", 185 on Baseball America. The dude is jacked. You watch him and you see like, it's very easy to daydream about what this kid's going to look like in two, three years on a baseball field. Potential plus power according to Baseball America. And it seemed like there was the issue was swing and miss in his game. And scouts were concerned about that, but also notes that like scouts had said, he's already been improving on that. And like, I kind of got Thomas Sosa vibes with this guy, like a bigger, stronger Thomas Sosa, maybe this year in the DSL, you look up at his numbers and like, yeah, they're not that great. He's striking out a lot. I don't know, but he gets to the FCL next year and the kid breaks out because he grew another two inches and added 30 pounds of muscle (laughs) and uh, he's settling in. So I, I, I think Martinez is definitely the higher ceiling guy. 
this is the kid that I think I'm uh, super intrigued to follow. And like Bob said, it's another guy we swipe from the Yankees. Um, and I did like the last note there I had on him was in some of the reports, I think it was Steve Molesky's write-up. I, I feel like a lot of these write-ups were kind of the same though, just the same <laughs> information, the scouting reports just passed along to the beat writers from the organization. But with Martinez, they said he the Orioles were on him and then he disappeared, AKA he had the handshake agreement with the Yankees. For whatever reason, the Yankees backed out and the Orioles sent their US, a bunch of US scouts down to watch him, including Ken Guthrie, who signed two guys that I don't know if you guys have heard of Jackson Holiday and Heston Kerstad, okay players in this organization, I guess, but he was their signing scout. And so I guess if you're going to get the Ken Guthrie stamp of approval on this Martinez kid, uh, I'm all in. I'm behind Steven Martinez. Yeah, um, I'm getting with Steven Martinez. It's a guy, a young kid, one of the youngest in the class named Steven, S-T-I-V-E-N. Um, but instead of Steven Acevedo, who signed really late uh, for cheap, but was like, you know, a follow guy because he was so young, this guy's getting almost a million dollars. That that tells me, and and that's another thing is, you know, these scouting reports. Who knows exactly when they wrote these up? And these guys are these kids. I can't even say guys are are still improving on a daily basis. So, like you said. Martinez could have already started to close up some holes that some people would have seen. That's the, another reason why you don't get too hung up on the the price, the dollar amount on these signings because they might have agreed to sign for five hundred thousand, and then the only people seeing him are the Orioles or whoever team has come up with that agreement, and then they blossom and develop more. They could end up being one of the most talented guys uh, of the class, kids. Uh, by the time they're announced. So it's just don't take away too much about how much they signed for and all that. But completely agree. That's a great point. And going back to Martinez specifically, you look at the scouting grades MLB pipeline puts on him 55 arm, 55 power, 50 hit tool, 50 field tool, power in the arm for a possible corner outfielder, which most reports suggest that might be where Martinez lands corner outfield spot. That's a great place to start. There's going to be a lot of development that has to go along with that. But if you've got, as Fangraphs puts it, the potential for looking at the wrong report here, but Fangraphs has a positive report on Martinez and MLB Pipeline does as well. So you're looking at someone with raw power, good, de some defensive upside and a strong arm. I'll take that profile any day, especially someone who's 16, 17 years old. Yeah. And we've seen, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. I think it was like 15 officially when they signed, but the youngest kid in last year's class, uh, third base, I think he plays third base, hit a couple home runs. He had like five home runs last year in the DSL, over the fence home runs. Orioles have had really good luck with these, the younger international signings. It's almost like they're following the same path as the the amateur, the domestic draft. It's like go after the young, the youngest guys in the class, who are peaking at the right time. And because like these guys, they're playing games in Orioles uniforms for like the last six months to a year. I think that's like the, the tricky league. They're playing in, in organized games against other teams uh, for a long time with Orioles coaches and, and Orioles personnel there uh, following along. So yeah, they, these younger kids though, they're having a lot of success both domestically and internationally. It's kind of wild to see. Is that uh, Joshua Lorenzo you're thinking of? Yes, Lorenzo. Yeah, love that kid. 
something just to point out with Martinez. I got his exact birthday right here. He won't turn 17 until August 8th. So the Dominican Summer League season will almost be over by August 8th. He's only going to have maybe three weeks left by that point, two or three weeks. So he'll be just turning 17 as that season ends. And I think that this is a good segue into the next point that I wanted to bring up. And it's something that we have said a lot on the show, but I think it's worth bringing up just to give our listeners additional context, which is that when a player's down in Dominican Summer League, we don't have eyes on them. We occasionally will see video clips posted. That's about it. And the stats are just really that. They're stats. But there's a consistent set of stats that we like to look at, particularly with hitters. And, Nick, you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, and, I mean, Kobe Perez confirmed this. It's If you're going to look at the numbers, strikeouts, walks. And one thing, too, that I noticed is there are a lot of guys in, you know, the Braylon Tavera class, the Andre Arias class, two years ago. You know, I pay attention, too, to the guys who maybe the first month of the season – or you know, month and a half of the season, they're they might be striking out a high clip. They're only hitting like a buck something. They're not doing very well. But by the end of the year, you look at their month to month splits. Like the strikeout rates just gradually go down and down, and the walks are up and the averages up. There are a lot of guys, you the Edwin Amparos, those guys uh, in that class who they follow that role. And naturally, the final numbers didn't look great if you just pull up their stat line. You're like okay, this guy's nothing. There's really nothing there. You didn't look that good. But if you look at the splits and you see them progress, a lot of those guys performed really well in the FCL last year. So I think that's kind of a, a good indication of kind of what's to come with some of these guys. But, and we focus on the two big names from this class, but did anybody else at the Orioles announced on Monday jump out to either one of you? Yeah, there was the two $500,000 signings. I, I want to talk about one of them. And I'm not even sure what his last name is anymore, but Jamone Noel, Jamone Brown, uh, the Jamaican kid. That's that was awesome to see that he's listed as Dominican Republic, but I believe he was born and raised in Jamaica. This to me, this kid, he's a shortstop switch hitter. I, I love like the little three listed scouting report that the Orioles player development put out on Twitter. It says showed good feel for barrel and can see spin. Swing goes direct. Swing goes direct to the ball. Fun to watch. Plays the game with good energy. Love that. Plus runner aggressive on the bases. Will steal some bags. And then they have the video of him. And to me, this is the Aaron Estrada, Frederick Ben Cosme of this class. I think he's just going to be like super fun guy to watch. Switch hitter. Going to probably hit like 350 uh, in the DSL this year or something like that. This is the guy that I'm like. All right, this is my guy. Other than obviously the two big names, everyone's going to love to follow them. But this is the guy where after I look for Martinez and Sanchez on the, the box score, I'm going straight to whether it's Noel or Brown, whichever one is listed on the box score. Yeah, I mean, if we're just sticking with hitters right now before, I don't know if you guys have comments about some of the pitchers, but uh, which there actually weren't that many. But yeah, Noel, Brown, uh, Jamone, my guy, I get it's like some of the grainy batting practice videos maybe that, that I found, but it was just like, holy barrels, man. This guy looks like he I, – I was not surprised to see him get $500,000. I thought this kid was going to get more. But he looks like someone who can already take a 95-mile-an-hour fastball up in on the hands and just drive it out to left field. I mean, send it over that wall at Camden Yards. like – this kid looks jacked already. He's I I noted as well. Every year we kind of 
we look at, all right, who's going to go in that Frederick McCosmay path? I said it was Newell as, as well, that like if he's not challenged that much in the DSL this year, I would not be shocked at all to see this kid get FCL time by the end of the year. Um, I'm definitely, I do try to temper my expectations with the international signings because it's going to be so long and so many of these guys are, aren't even going to make it out of the academy. But like I'm having a real hard time uh, holding back my excitement there. The other one that Bob alluded to, the other $500,000 man, Elvin Garcia, again, another shortstop. And I was waiting for it. I was waiting to see how many times uh, you see the comments online, like how many shortstops do the Orioles need to sign? You already got Jackson Holiday and Gunner, blah, blah, blah. It didn't take long. I think Steve Molesky was calling people out like, it's okay. Um, they're all shortstops at this stage of the game. But um, I, I highlighted Elvin Garcia's name here for future reference just because Ben Badler tagged him. He put out that article on signing day, 13 signings of the, like, it was like 500 signings. But he picked 13 guys who were going to get under a million dollars who have breakout potential. And in that write-up, he said he's a, a lanky, switch-hitting shortstop. Garcia has shown a knack for barreling balls against live pitching with a line drive approach and gap power, plus runner and good athlete with loose, fluid actions at the position capable of making throws from different angles with a 60-grade arm. And, you know, a million different variables that are going to impact these guys in their development. But Ben Badler, like the man really misses. Uh, he's the best of the best when you're talking about this side of baseball. And if you go back and look at some of his write-ups on the Orioles system specifically, when he's talking about sleeper guys or you know picks to click, however he, he phrases it, uh, he typically nails uh, some of these picks. So I'm, I'm just highlighted the name Elvin Garcia there. Yeah. The shortstop thing. That's mm-hmm. funny. I was listening to Ben Badler's, uh, mm-hmm podcast on baseball america future projections i think um yeah he said if you see someone listed at their base we call that a first baseman over here um (laughs) i thought that was funny so yeah of course these are young kids they're playing up the middle catcher center field shortstop until they grow out of it but uh while jamon noel he looks like strong and incredibly smooth already garcia you can see he just he, again he's a switch hitter, but he's one that you could see he needs to grow into his body a little bit more. He looks a little baggy. The jersey's a little baggy. The swing looks like he needs to add a little bit of strength. But you can definitely see the potential if and when he does, and and why he's a fan favorite as well. So yeah, like him too. Yeah, you know, I think that the Orioles. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of teams target this type, but I think the Orioles clearly have a type with their position players on the international market, and it's these. Switch hitting, short stops with some physical projection, good line drive strokes. Maybe they show an advanced feel for the strike zone at a young age. Stockpile your system with it. My belief is if you stockpile your system with these guys, one of them's going to click. One of them's going to click and they're going to develop into a really good utility player. Or maybe you're the team that signs someone for under a million dollars and develops that player into a starting shortstop in which case that's great that's not how it works out most of the time but who's to say it's not going to work out with someone so when the Orioles go after this type of player I think there's a reason for it and I was happy with both of those signings yeah I think too I don't know if I have really any other hitter names um I I just jotted down I just I just got jotted down like more generally I feel like the outfielders specifically in this class are taller guys with just tons of physical projection 
And I feel like in more recent classes, it was a lot of the names are escaping me, but a lot more like athletic speedsters, not a lot of power, but like maybe if the hit tool clicks, they could be guys who find a path through this system. But I feel like this year they went possibly, yeah, there's, there's the higher floor guys, but I really like a lot of the boom busts, like the high risk, high reward type guys that they, I think they brought in with this system. No. Angel Garcia was another one. This That's kid's cool. already all jacked. And, um, I noted down one more name too, uh, a catcher, Juan Adamas Garcia, Venezuelan catcher. It wouldn't be a Kobe Perez signing class if he didn't land, I think, at least two Venezuelan catchers. But going off just straight vibes, uh, this kid was ready for the cameras down there at the academy. And if his talent matches his swag, he is going to be a stud. And apparently he signed for 100K. So uh, no uh, decent bonus baby down there as well. But yeah, I, I'm always intrigued by these Venezuelan catchers because Kobe Perez has brought in a lot of them, and uh, they seem to be holding their own down there in the lower levels of the minor leagues, at least. Yeah, Angel Garcia, that was the one. I was like, he looks even bigger than Steven Martinez mm -hmm. in this video, and he loves to dance in his free time. He's like the Venezuelan uh, big power-hitting right-handed outfielder. So, yeah, excited to see him as well. And, uh, yeah, now we can turn our attention to pitchers, which, like you said, there weren't many. I think there was only four out of the 19, but – as we saw, and you mentioned the Houston Astros thing, like they're going to sign pitchers as the year goes on. And we've seen them grab these guys late in the class or even just midway through and, and they pop up and all of a sudden they're an interesting arm. So don't be worried that they don't draft pitchers and they don't sign them internationally. No, they're going to sign them. Talk about the big guy, I guess. Uh, literally the big guy first. Uh, Yaki Mondesir seems like the, the big name in this class among the pitchers. I feel like the Orioles were definitely a little more oddly specific this year in those write-ups, though. Like, this guy said, I forget who it was, but they're like, this guy has potential for 14 to 20 home runs a year. It's like, you couldn't just say 15. Was that a typo? It was supposed to be 15. But like, what did the model spit out 14? You're like, we're sticking to this model because we're the Orioles. Um, he's going to hit 14 home runs in the major league level. But in Mondesir, it's like, this is a big-bodied kid. And they're like, yeah, he's a future bullpen arm, fastball, curveball guy. And I'm like, you turn literally everyone in this organization into a starter. Why are you taking the 16-year-old and already labeling him a reliever? I just thought that was weird. But um, I just with him, it was like, shout out to, I, I'm sorry, I'm sure you listened to this show, but he, he commented on Twitter on the video that we posted of Mondesir earlier that morning, Monday morning, and somebody had said, he looks just like Juan de los Santos. And I was like, you nailed it. Uh, you are, cause I immediately got the same vibes. You are a fellow sicko. I love you. Shout out to again, whoever that was who said Juan de los Santos comp when they saw this kid on, on Twitter, but I thought it was super accurate comp, at least physically. And, and maybe they saw what Juan de los Santos has done the last two years. And they were just like, this is a big kid as well. Uh, he's going to be a fastball curveball guy. We're going to skip the starter experiment, just throw him in the bullpen and we'll see in Delmarva like next year. I don't know, but mid nineties fastball. Big body kid. We'll see what he's got. Yeah, I think the theme for the pitchers was power arms, throw hard, velocity. Because, yeah, um, Mondesir, I think he's already touching 94, 95 at 16 years old, 17 years old. Uh, does definitely physically look like Juan De Los Santos. I definitely see that. And then Esteban Mejia, who it says will clock 100 miles per hour with solid average pitches, throws strikes, great mound presence. Uh, looks like 
I see some pretty decent off-speed pitches in this video. So I think that's like the the one guy, if you're going to see like a breakout starting pitching prospect, it might be Mejia. So that's the one pitcher. Those two are obviously, I think, the top. And then there was another lefty and another righty. So we'll see see what they turn out to be as well. Yeah, Mejia is intriguing because he comes into the system with starter traits already now with Mondesir. When you look at his size now and you look at his pitch mix, it does look like a future reliever, but I can't picture the Orioles deciding everyone's going to stick a 16-year-old in the bullpen and see how quickly he gets to the major leagues. I'm sure at some point he's going to be in a rotation somewhere, whether it's in the Dominican Summer League this year, the FCL next year, or a full-season ball level down the line. He's going to get the opportunity to start. Yeah, are you going to tell me the Orioles aren't going to try to teach a pitcher a sweeper, a changeup, or a hard slider? Uh, I think not. I, I would not be shocked if he ends up being a starter at the end of the day. Yeah, Mejia is interesting because I I saw that note by the Orioles player development account. It's like he can touch a hundred. It's like all right. I'm not. At first, I was like, "There's no way." Uh, this kid. He also looks probably like the skinniest pitcher they signed as well. Like there's no way he touches 100, but they've also signed some like five foot something guys out of Venezuela last year, Keeler Morfe, um, and I think he throws in the upper 90s as like a 16 year old kid who's like five foot something. So the the velo didn't shock me too much when I thought about it, but I'm wondering he's obviously not didn't get a ton of money. Again, we just said money isn't everything. I, I get that, but I think it was like 100, 140k supposedly is what he signed for. If you're touching 100 and they're like, this is a potential mid-rotation arm, the only thing that scares me is, like, can he throw a strike? Like, if if you can touch 100, you've got all these good traits, maybe the control is just wild right now. And hopefully, like, we don't see huge walk totals from this guy. It's scary. It's kind of why I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I will fight tooth and nail. I will argue until I'm blue in the face about this Orioles pitching development staff. But I'm oddly enough, like, much more subdued about the arms that they sign internationally, especially when I see like he's touching hundred miles an hour and didn't sign for a ton of money. I'm just wondering, I'm just hoping like it's not another like junior Pena on our hands here. The guy can touch a hundred, 101, but he can't throw a strike to save his life. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a 16 year old kid. We'll see what happens over the next couple of years. Maybe they came to the handshake agreement for that amount when he was like throwing yeah. 91 yeah. and they're like, we got you up to a hundred. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that is definitely. And should we just schedule the Tommy John surgery now or like a 16 year old throwing hundred miles per hour doesn't sound great for the elbow. Well, speaking of the subject, Nick just touched on the Orioles pitching development program. That's going to kind of be a theme of our next episode as we dive into the Orioles announcement of their major league coaching staff. In the meantime, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, threads, X, TikTok. Bob has threatened to make this list longer. Uh, so get ready for the moment that this takes five minutes for us to sign off on an episode. Uh, you can also check us out on Patreon and sign up now to have exclusive access to our Discord channels as well as our top 50 prospects countdown. We're in the 40s right now and we're going to be getting closer to 50 here or number one over the next few weeks. Orioles on the Birds is part of the Believe Podcast Network. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden. You've been listening to Orioles on the Verge.